Welcome to Farm Focus. For the second part of our conversation on conservation, we are speaking with Dean Jackson, a dairy farmer in Bradford County. Dean is also the most recent recipient of the Pennsylvania Leopold Conservation Award. Dean recently took the time to chat about the improvements that he's made on his farm, along with what the future may hold for his dairy farm. My name is Dean Jackson. Uh, together with my family, we own and operate Mount Glen Farm, a uh, 925-acre operation here in North, Northeast Pennsylvania. Uh, we're right about three miles north of the Mount Pisgah State Park, and we're in a sensitive watershed, uh, the Mill Creek watershed here. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we're in the, the Holstein business, Holstein Genetics. We Diversification is key to our operation, milk sales, uh, cattle sales, bull sales, semen sales, uh, hay sales. Uh, yeah, we're a family operation with a, some really good part-time help uh, that helps us get it all done. We try to strive for balance in our lives. Uh, that means ability to have a life outside of everything we do here serve our industry uh serve our community um and uh, yeah so that's that's the goal each and every day and as you know uh some days are better than others <laughs> but we've been very fortunate to do what we love to do and i think passion and a love for what you do is is key to being successful you're 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 absolutely right. So tell me a little bit about the history of, of the farm. Is this something you started? Is it a family legacy or Yes, uh, I am the third generation. The fourth generation is here now. Uh, my grandfather grew up down the road about two miles. Um, his brother had that farm uh, and his family to this day. And he had a milk can route, uh, my grandfather. And he picked up milk here. And in 1929, he pulled in here one morning and uh, the cows weren't fed, weren't bedded, weren't milked. And the gentleman was an elderly gentleman at that time. He went to the house, my grandfather did, and the, the man was ill. And that started the conversation that he asked my grandfather if he wanted to buy this place. And that's just what happened. So yes, 1929, our family came here and I am, like I said, the third generation, so. So, so obviously part of your farm's um, legacy um, is rooted in protecting what your grandfather started. And I, what I'm hoping we can kind of explore a little bit is that conservation mindset that helps guide the, the decisions that you make on your farm. Yes, um, and I think that mindset all starts with a stewardship aspect. You got to deeply care for what you're in charge of. And, uh, and it all starts with your relationship with God and your assignment and duty to be that steward of the land and all his creations. And I, if I, yeah, if I see uh, soil exposed or any kind of erosion, it bothers me. It's got to be a mindset and a mentality. I think sometimes so many people get so wrapped up in the dollars, the dollars and cents of what they're doing, uh, that gets put on the back burner and it doesn't need to be. Um, I, it's endless what you can do in conservation. Uh, my grandfather started out with the conservation plans in the 60s, as you will see on the YouTube video of the Leopold Award. Um, and 
ever since I was a kid, every spring we were doing something. It's just what we did. We drain tiled, we we put in um, sod waterways, uh, diversion ditches, uh, cleared some hedgerows. It was just part of uh, what we did each and every year, trying to improve the land and make it better. Uh, take out a wet hole, uh, contour strips, whatever it took. I mean, we just it was just what we did. Uh, I didn't give it a second thought. And uh, now, and of course, we had a conservation district in Bradford County uh, headed by Nate Doing and staff that was just fantastic to work with. And have given us a lot of resources, some cost share over the years, ideas. Um, so my conversation now that we've done so much is, Nate, what can we do now? What am I missing? What can we do better? You know, it's like we're running out of things to do. <laughs> but, uh, and for me, the next step is to plant green, have a live living cover crop and plant our row crops in the, the green. That's very tricky in this area to do that, but that's the next step, so. Yeah. So you had, you had mentioned the, the, the Leopold Award. Kind of explain that a little bit, what it, who it recognizes, and, um, you know, what, what were some of the qualifications that caused you to get this award? Well, it's amazing how that come about. I remember reading about Aldo Leopold years ago. Um, you know, I'm not a huge reader or anything, but I, I remember hearing about it. And I knew it wasn't from this area, and that was about the end of it. You know, I didn't think any more about it. And I happened to see in a Farm Bureau publication that they were recognizing state winners in other parts of the country, and now they were in Pennsylvania. And one day, we, I was having a cons uh, conversation with Nate Doing from the Conservation District, and I said, you know, I thought so highly of our Conservation District, I asked him, I said, do you have anybody that you are going to nominate, you know, from Bradford County? I, and he didn't even, I don't know if he even knew about that time, but I said, you know, I, we've done a lot of things over the years. If you're looking for somebody to nominate, you know, I would be willing to go through that process with you if you would like. And that's what started the conversation. And then Nate took it from there. And, uh, he had all the records of all the things we've done. And of course I added, you know, what we've done in other areas like the cow business, you know, everything, we put everything together. I never would have done it. I never would have done it on my own. And, but the, the staff down there just put together, yeah, put together everything we did and submitted it. And we did not win anything the first year. Um, it was, it was really rushed right there about the end of July. And we were trying to go to our Troy fair that week and, so the next year they they submitted it and we got everything put up the way it should be and I'll be darned if we didn't get selected to win and won that it was an incredible honor. What does that recognition mean to you? Well, I've said it this way and I've said it many times. I've been shocked at the number of people outside of our industry that have made mention of it to me. Uh, Aldo Leopold is a famous figure and. There's a lot like the Heritage Garden Club over here to Troy. They toured our facility and, and different ones that don't know much about farming. They, uh, uh, there's a lot of people out there that really care about our environment and they know that name. And uh, uh, I think they, they were surprised that there was a state winner and he happened to be right here local, <laughs> I guess you could say. But I've, I've said it this way. We've been very fortunate and blessed in a lot of different areas here and uh, the cow business and farming and what we've done and 
serving in so many different things I have. And the Leopold Award, representing what it represents, is right at the top of my list of, of what I've done, accomplished, or our farm, our family. I, ho I hold that at, at the highest level. I'm so honored to uh, uh, win that award, and I want to represent that award at the high levels I can. And I was fortunate enough to be a judge on this year's contest, which was just conducted last week. Uh, so, yeah, that, uh, and I'm so grateful for the sponsorships, you know, Heinz Endowment, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, um, you folks and uh, Farm Bureau was a big contributor to that. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I think, I hope I can, if anything else, maybe I could inspire someone else to maybe do just a little bit more or submit, submit an application. Who knows? Very good point. Um, you, you, you hit on something that I had kind of wanted to, to talk about in that some in that might not as understand farming as much as you and I do, or as much as you do, um, don't understand that conservation and environmental protection can happen while running a successful farm. You know, that, that mindset might be out there that you run a farm and it is going to do detrimental effects to the environment around you. Tell me about why that's not true. Well, that's a great question. Um, the first thing I think about is this, and I gotta be careful what I say. There's a mindset in business, as you know, and all of us know, that if you're not growing by 10% a year, uh, you're, you're done. Um, it's a mindset. Uh, you need to look for acquisitions. You need to have a, buy a satellite farm. You need to get bigger or get out. You hear that all the time by people in writing articles and crunching numbers. Well, we sat here and, and we don't, my dad taught me that you don't, you think differently than the masses. And instead of, we're milking the same number of cows we did 50 years ago. So how come we're still in business? Well, there's other things you can do and you need to improve at all times and you need to look for opportunities within your realm. And by that, I mean, we're all different. That article in, the, in a national magazine and some guy milking 5,000 cows in the Midwest is not realistic to the Northeast. And sometimes we can get swayed in our thinking and our mindset that leads us down a path of destruction. And I have always tried to live within my means and number one, not get out of who I am. And I don't want to get into something and I'm, yeah, I could put a 500 cal facility out here or even more. I could, but I would be out of my realm of what I enjoy doing and therefore I would be unsuccessful. And, and when you start thinking in the numbers, uh, you're not gonna, you're gonna think about how much can I get off each acre with the least amount of cost. The last priority on you is if you're washing away a bunch of topsoil. It just changes your mindset. So I don't know really where I'm headed here, but uh, living within your means, um, keeping it a focus, the conservation is that we're just passing through here. We're just making a living for a few years and we're going to be done. I'm going to be done and I'm going to pass it on to somebody else. And I think what <laughs> anybody with any kind of savvy and, and, and farming and so forth, you're gonna, 
if you do what you like, you're going to figure out a way to make a living. And you're going to enjoy what you do. You're not going to get rich. I think the bigger picture is what you're leaving behind. And that happens quickly. So I think it's about a mindset of uh, living within your means, uh, getting the most you can out of your particular situation, uh, have your yields in perspective of your land, uh, thus eliminating extra fertilizers and stuff like that. And keeping an eye out on um, sustainable agriculture. I mean, I, I got friends that graze. I got friends that are organic. I got friends that are completely sustainable people that may, maybe don't even make their living off the land, but they have some animals. And I, I look at all those people, and I look for ideas, and I, I respect them all. And you can learn something from every one of them. So even though we are production agriculture and we make 100% of our living here, you can learn something from those that aren't. And so I guess that's, that's a few of my thoughts. You had mentioned about, like, you know, topsoil washing away. And to a non-farming public, they might not understand that topsoil washing away is also washing away your profitability or frankly, your ability to raise a good crop that you might need for your animals or to sustain your business. You know, and you can, you can talk with someone and you can give a word picture or analogy that can sometimes help them understand. For instance, somebody lives in town or just outside town, they got a garden. Is it important how their garden looks to them? Or do they want it full of weeds or do they like it looking sharp? Well, pretty simple. I just have a bigger garden than they do. That's all. And I'm not concerned about people driving by and what they think. I'm the one. That, I care what I think. I drive by. I want to see nice crops. Um, I enjoy getting in my side-by-side -side on a heavy rain event. When it's really raining, it's got a cab. <laughs> and watching those practices work, seeing what kind of water is coming off those fields or off those diversion ditches or out those drain tiles. And that is very satisfying. I mean, this summer, well, that doesn't prove anything. It was a dry summer. There's, you know, look at our creeks and rivers. They're dry. You know, there's not much sediment going in the Chesapeake Bay right now. Everybody's looking smart, aren't they? It doesn't matter. But last year, that's the test. You know, when you're getting an inch or two of rain all the time and things are saturated, that's the test. So help me, I guess, to, to understand, or maybe for, you know, the folks that wouldn't understand what a, what a diversion ditch or what drainage tile is, paint that word picture for me. In a heavy rain event, what's going on on your farm and in your crop acres? Well, when you have a, a, a lot of acres on a hillside, for instance, you know, you, you analyze the, the slope and you know where that water is going to sheet down off from that hillside. A diversion ditch is a dip in the ground created by a bulldozer uh, on grade less than two percent is ideal and then you seed that down to a heavy sod mixture of fescues uh, trefoils that whereby once that's established it can have handle heavy rainfall at that slope and that exits that water off from that slope so at the bottom so technically at the bottom you're cutting that water sheeting in half uh, with it because of that diversion ditch and a sod waterway is the same thing only it's a it's a minimal dis disturbance more of a shorter run sometimes down through the middle of the field and all you got to do is watch the rain how it comes off the field and of course the technicians from the conservation district will help you lay all that out 
And uh, so, yeah, Ivan, sod waterways are a great thing. There's some areas you can't keep a grade all the way out. You, it's going to come to a low spot, and it's going to come down across, and then you leave that sod, uh, and that, that eliminates a lot of uh, gulling and washing and so forth. That practice is helping keeping your topsoil in place. Absolutely, and it's just part of what we've done for decades. And if I see a, I'm still looking, when I see a, a sensitive area in our fields, that I don't like what I'm seeing. Uh, let's say I go in there with a no-till drill next spring to seed it, corn the year before, open soil, and I see some sheeting action there or a little bit of gulling or something. If I can in that area, I'm gonna do something about it next time I rotate that in the corn. Because uh, I just don't like, uh, you know, because it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to improve it. You, we, we talked a little bit about some of the things that you want to do next, but, you know, can you kind of uh, give that a little bit more detail of what more you would like to do conservation-wise on your farm? Well, I'm always looking. Always looking for things we can do. And, of course, along with that is maybe a cost share or a grant helps to initiate those things. Because you can do a lot of things that, that don't make you a dime. There's no doubt about it. And in reality, you have to look at economics as well. I mean, like our solar system on our shed out here. You know, I've heard people say it this way, that have it on their house. It's a feel-good thing. You know, they look, they look at that solar system on their house. Uh, it's a feel-good. You know, here they're harnessing the sun, and they're creating some of their own electricity. Well, that's true, and that's important. But it still has to make some type of economic sense. And... And if it doesn't, then I think we need to look, you can even look at uh, your legislators, <laughs> Sunshine Grant, once you expired, um, other grants that are possibly available. Because a lot of people would love to do solar, but it just doesn't make sense uh, uh, right now for a lot of them. But uh, that is, uh, and it did for us at the time. But would I do it again right now? Depends on the grants and what the end of final cost. We had a six-year payback on ours, and we just completed that last December. Tell me about what you think the next generation of your farm is going to bring to the business. Well, uh, it's diversity. Diversity is what it is. Um, you know, everybody, you know, the folks that write the articles that don't do it, they all talk about diversity and farmer to, to direct to consumer and all that, and that's all great and good. But if everybody did that, <laughs> you know, there wouldn't, uh, wouldn't work so well. Location is huge. Distribution, it's very difficult to get something right into the hands of the consumer, uh, depending on your location. So you got to look for other things. Um, and uh, what we try to do is build diversity without spending a lot of money. Instead of building a, a hog facility for a half a million or a million dollars, um, we've decided not to do that. Uh, we, I started marketing a hay, um, and I have really enjoyed that and built a customer base. I already have all that equipment. And so there's not a lot of risk, not any debt that we can start with our extra ground. We can utilize to help pay the taxes and then some things like that. Uh, we had a raw milk permit here for five years. Uh, I believe in that product unbelievably. Uh, we could we would do that again without hardly any investment, but it's not it's not easy. It's a lot of extra work. Um, but there's all kinds of things we're floating around. We talk about it all the time. The next thing we can do, 
but our cattle sales, our genetics, our bulls, semen sales, which is, that has been a great diversity in the last 10 years for us. Uh, so and that's what we know. I think it's important to stay within your means of what you know. Um, for instance, we don't, this raw milk thing, you know, none of us really have the time to take it on and do it right. If somebody come on board here or one of my kids and they wanted to take that and really go to town with it, and that includes distribution and everything, then we would consider doing it. But as it stands with our workforce here right now, we're not going to do that because we have all we need right now. Well said. Is there anything I forgot to ask you or anything that you want to, to add to the conversation? I'd like to say something about Farm Bureau. Um, I'm on the board here now. I have been for three years locally, Bradford County. I think if, if it could be articulated even better of all the things Farm Bureau does, that we could get more people to come on board as members and way far beyond farmers, all kinds of segments of our industry, you know, trucking industry, everything. Uh, Farm Bureau is, uh, that's about all we got. You think about it legislatively. And we all know legislation drives everything. I don't want to say the word politics, but it's part of it. And uh, the crew here in Bradford County has done a great job. And uh, I don't know how much time I can commit to it, but I am, I, I help where I can. We're hosting the, uh, some, a fall event here in October at the farm. And, uh, but anytime there's a county event, I think it's important to have people there from state if possible. Um, get in the, the media and the press to get people here to support it and be, become members of Farm Bureau to keep it strong. Uh, you think about it, when you're way out here where I am, uh, there's a lot of issues we have to deal with in a lot of different segments and the Farm Bureau is about all we got. So yeah, that's my, I guess my closing comment. No, I, 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 re I really appreciate that perspective and, and thanks for the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of Farm Focus, please subscribe. More episodes are on the way, and all of our past episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Podbean at pfbcast.podbean.com. Thanks for listening.